Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Faces and FinOps podcast powered by ProsperOps. I'm your host, John Meyer. Now, the Faces and FinOps podcast is all about highlighting thought leaders in the cloud financial management space and insights on how they're making an impact not only within their organization, but within the broader FinOps community. Today's guest is Savannah Jensen, who is a senior FinOps success manager on the AWS Optics team at AWS. Please join me in welcoming Savannah to the show. Savannah, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, John. I'm so excited to be here. Every time I get my intro read or have to introduce myself, I really have to come face to face with the fact that I've been at this since 2018. <laughs> right around where FinOps has been taking off, right? Right? Yeah, it's crazy. It's been really excited to see so much growth, like even over the last couple of years, which I think is what makes the space so exciting, but also so challenging, which I'm sure everybody you talk to will echo that. I agree with you completely. How about we tell the audience a little bit more about yourself, a little more of a backstory on who Savannah is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've worked at Amazon uh, since 2018, as you mentioned, worked on the concierge team and billing support for a hot minute, um, worked with a large variety of customers. Back then, the landscape was a little bit different. Lots of folks were still kind of earlier in their journey. Um, so it was really fun because I got to kind of work with a lot of different kinds of businesses that had a lot of different AWS needs and really get a variety of experience in terms of understanding some of the struggles with FinOps and some of the clever solutions that people come up with. Um, about, oh, I guess almost three years ago now, um, I switched to my current role where I support a large telco company under the optics team. Um, if you have been paying attention, looked at LinkedIn, looked at any of the content that we produce, um, you'll notice that we have changed role names a ton of times um, during those last three years. But my day today has been effectively the same. Um, I've been a uh, customer optimization enablement specialist. I've been a customer enablement specialist and now FinOps success manager. Um, so really trying to figure out exactly how to communicate what we do in a title, um, but all through just doing the same kind of helping customers optimize, helping them get on top of their FinOps practice um, and really move through that cloud financial management journey. So. Now, while your title has changed to the senior FinOps success manager, I know the origin story of the optics team and I don't think that's ever going to change. Yeah. Yep. Um, has Alex told you about the how we developed the acronym? So I had Alex on my personal podcast and we yeah. talked about how the origin of optics came about. And I don't think, like I said, this is probably not going to change. You're always going to be the optics teams, regardless of the titles that change. In fact, let's start speaking about your current role as a senior FinOps success manager at AWS. What is that about? What does that entail? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of the tagline that I like to use when I'm introducing myself to new people or talking to customers that I haven't talked to before is if it has a dollar sign involved with it throughout my way, I might not be the person to answer it specifically. If it's like a very niche pricing question that we need to get a, a product team involved for, that's a little bit outside of my scope. Um, but I can definitely help you kind of get your head around it and get connected with someone who knows. Um, I think the kind of bigger challenges and the things that we focus most of our time on are how to help customers get the most value out of AWS and feel secure in everything finance related on the cloud. So that can look a lot of different ways. If it is developing a pur purchasing strategy for our eyes and savings plans, um, could be 
kind of optimizing a certain service like S3, making sure that you are using the most efficient storage class for your workload. It could also be something like working on cost allocation, um, cost transparency, understanding those billing reports that you get um, and really pulling insights out of that data. Uh, or it could be more about kind of changing the culture within your organization, getting developers to understand why this stuff matters and um, kind of creating that cloud financial management practice, whether it's through like a centralized governance team that I'm working with or a more grassroots kind of work with the technical leaders to, to come together and figure out exactly how to approach that um, and get things going. So wide variety. Um, I'm fortunate enough to work with a customer who has a lot of different groups that are in a lot of different phases of maturity um, and have a lot of different usage patterns and a lot of different needs. So I kind of get to do a little bit of everything, which I really appreciate. I feel like it keeps things fresh and everything is always new in some way. So that's exciting to me. Savannah, are you helping customers implement FinOps, understand FinOps, how it relates to not only the culture, but how do they implement it not only in the business, how to manage it? What does that really look like from your role? Yeah, could be any, <laughs> could be any of those things. Um, so I'll give you some examples. Um, with one of the groups that I work with, we recently had kind of a, a new employee who has a pretty extensive FinOps background come into the kind of FinOps lead seat. And he has a really great understanding of how FinOps should work, but kind of had to get his feet under him and implement that and go out and tackle all these problems and optimize and bring all these groups together. So from my perspective, it can be something like helping him understand the broader organization, um, understand kind of the specialized things that are already present in the customer, um, translate the needs that he's getting as he talks to all of his stakeholders into things that we can solve with AWS tooling, with custom processes, um, possibly like writing your own specific query set for cost allocation. So in that way, I don't know, I, I think that's a little bit of implementing FinOps, a little bit of like working through the, the journey of being new in a role and bringing your organization along the cloud financial management path. Another example is sometimes we get really tactical questions uh, from folks who are like, okay, I have been using this cost allocation strategy for a really long time. It's all spreadsheet. I am sick of doing these pivot tables every month and sorting through all this data. Can you help me figure out a better way to do this? And again, exploring AWS tools, can we do things with cost categories? Is this a use for billing conductor? Um, is this something where the person is comfortable enough with SQL to kind of help participate in writing like a, a custom Kirk query set to do what they need to do? Is this something that's going to need to change every month? Is this something that's going to need to be revised in a year? Um, helping understand the business need and then translating that into something that's tactical and actionable is a lot of what I do. Savannah, now that's a really good understanding of what your role looks like today. Now, I have a challenging question for you that I get to ask certain guests, and I've asked it a couple of times here on the show, and I like the answers that we get. What is the difference between FinOps and CFM, Cloud Financial Management? That is a really good question. When I think of FinOps, I think of more of the operational piece of things and making sure that you have structures and process to have success 
with your financial operations. So whether that is a cost allocation strategy, like we talked about, some kind of mechanism that alerts if there is a spend spike, um, some sort of recurring process uh, to review spend and to kind of do that automated piece of understanding what's going on without having to kind of do it ad hoc all the time or rely on a human to just go in and look at things. I think of the ops part of FinOps a little bit more when I think about the FinOps word. Cloud financial management, in my mind, is kind of the broader landscape. Um, So we use the plan, run, see, and save like framework or buzzwords to conceptualize what that actually is end to end. Um, I think of it as more of a kind of broad concept of thinking through basically the financial impact of something and how you're going to manage that particular thing before you've even put it onto AWS. So we're planning it, we're thinking about costs, we're kind of thinking through all of these different pieces that are going to make you successful um, all the way through getting it onto AWS, building it on AWS um, or any other cloud, and then implementing it and continuing to optimize. Does that make sense? Savannah, that's a really good definition between and understanding between FinOps and CFM. Here's my perspective. CFM is underneath FinOps, right? So you're going to do cloud financial management, but FinOps is the overarching like culture around everything. Why like cost optimization, cloud financial management kind of sit underneath FinOps. Agree, disagree? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, again, like I think the ops part of FinOps really sticks out to me. Um, so they're kind of, I don't want to say they're one and the same because they're really not. There are nuances to each, but they go hand in hand. I don't think you can really do one without having an aspect of the other. Like if you're just focusing on finance operations, like you are inherently managing a lot of the landscape that you're looking at, if that makes sense. I completely agree. Now, Savannah, would you walk us through what your typical day looks like or maybe your week or even like a typical, and I hate to say a typical month because every day is different. That means every week is different. But what does your day look like from a FinOps perspective to your customers or your partners? Yeah, that's actually a harder question um, as it turns out. Uh, I think one of the things that I really like about my job and probably anybody that you talk to from the optics team or really at AWS would echo this as well. Um, There isn't necessarily a typical day. And that is because customers, businesses go through seasonality and go through fluctuations as well. Um, As I'm sure you know, we get surprises all the time, both from the customer side and from the AWS side. Um, One of the things that I always think back to because it's just tattooed in my brain is that day in 2019 when savings plans launched and all of us were like, it's in there forever. Um, And usually those are really exciting surprises because it's a new thing that we have to like wrap our heads around and it has a ton of benefit for a certain customer or a certain use case, right? Like we have a lot of functionality coming out all the time. Um, We've got Cost News Bot on Twitter. If you'd like to follow along, that's one of my favorite things to follow. on kind of the AWS cost name space, just because there's so many cost announcements all the time. Um, So 
there isn't necessarily like a typical day. I spend a lot of time on the phone. I spend a lot of time both internally and externally um, understanding what's going on in the landscape, what my customers' questions are. Got a lot of emails, a lot of Slack. I think you'll get a similar response from most folks. Like it's a, it's a lot of talking to people, understanding what's going on in their world or communicating something to, to them to say, hey, I see there's a cost spike here. I see you're changing your workload. Like, let's talk about it. What's going on? Is this intended? Is this not intended? Or, hey, we have this new thing or this new use case for a certain thing that might help manage X, Y, or Z for you. Let's talk about that um, and vice versa. So, yeah, it's a, I talk a lot <laughs> through various media. <laughs> That's all right. So Savannah, how many customers do you support? I know you said it's in the telco. Do you support one, one to many? Do you support just one to one? What does it look like? Yep. So I support one customer that um, they have a lot of different business units, but kind of all under the same umbrella. Now, I'd like to jump over to the FinOps maturity levels that you're seeing within your customers. Are they still in the early crawl stage and understanding FinOps or some in the walk stage? Do you make it to the run stage and only in certain aspects or applications for it? What does it look like to you? Yeah. So um, before I answer that, I will say I sit in a very kind of interesting place in the world, both physically and like with my current support pattern. I live in Seattle. Um, and we get a lot of requests when customers are on site for like drop-in sessions about CFM. Um, and I take on some of those. So I do get to speak to a variety of customers. Um, additionally, at reInvent, at um, kind of any of those larger forums, um, I do try to go out of my way to talk to other folks as well to make sure I get out of my little silo and kind of interact with the, the bigger, broader ecosystem a little bit. Um, I would say it's fairly rare for a customer to be in run phase in every single portion of FinOps. And that that's not that it doesn't happen, because we definitely do have customers who are incredibly advanced and have very established processes that work incredibly well for everything that they do. Um, but I think what's more common is a customer will be at run phase in some pieces um, and crawl phase in some other aspects. And how I define run phase is they're doing something that works well, that is maintainable and works for them and is getting them good outcomes. So there isn't necessarily one right answer for what run phase looks like for purchasing strategy, right? If you have something that works really well for you and you can do it and maintain it and it's getting you the outcome that you want, that's great. It might not look like what another customer's purchasing strategy for commitment-based options looks like, and that's fine. Um, but I think right now, in kind of the state of the ecosystem and the fact that FinOps is, is taking off and there's a lot of priority on cost optimization and cost management right now. Um, we've got a lot of customers that are really good at some things and are still learning about what they need to do with other things. Um, and that can vary widely. And it really just depends on where the priorities are. Some folks are really conscious about monitoring spend. Some folks are really conscious about um, certain services or cost visibility and really have some things dialed in and are still working on catching the rest up. And again, like the variability and all those surprises and new exciting announcements can throw a wrench in all of that as well. So I'd say that's typical. I think it's important to understand that there's no one phase or maturity level that is right or wrong as long as you're progressing and moving forward. You could be in the crawl, but eventually you need to get into the walk. 
Do you need to make it to the run? Totally. Maybe for certain applications, but maybe there's new features yeah. like new instances coming out that keep pushing you or keep holding you at the walk stage. As long as you're progressing, not only within an application, within that visibility and understanding that there's still things that you're doing and achieving throughout, you know, like the inform, operate and optimize phases within FinOps, right? So you have your maturity level. And each phase has a maturity level that's attached to it. And you kind of take your maturity for each phase and keep moving them on. Would you agree? Yeah. And I would say too, like there are business reasons outside of just the FinOps situation that can toss you back to crawl in a certain thing that you've been at run at, right? So very simple, typical example is let's say you acquire you're a company you have a really advanced cost like transparency cost visibility and cost monitoring strategy you love it it's incredibly advanced dialed in you acquire another company and now you suddenly need to absorb all of that into your existing strategy let's say those folks never tagged in their lives and have just a bunch of different aws accounts all over you're going to have to spend a lot of time in walk again, trying to get everything up to parity or developing a new strategy that's going to work to bring everything together. Um, you could absorb another company that has a completely different cost visibility strategy, and then you either have to maintain both of them or figure out how to bring them together too. So it's not necessarily like a reflection of anything bad that's happening necessarily in your business um, to say that you are in walk or crawl. Uh, sometimes these things happen. Um, again, you could start using a new service and then have to figure out how to wrangle that and how to pull those insights out of the data and how to optimize it. That's not necessarily a bad thing or a red flag. It's just part of the process. Savannah, you mentioned new services. And just like we talked about is AWS is always constantly releasing new services. You have to look at those new services and evaluate those for each of those applications. And that's what the FinOps culture is really talking about is that new services instances come out. How can you improve your application? And you're going to continuously evolve around it from the crawl, walk, run. If you're not testing out these new applications, you're not progressing further. Yep. Yeah, it's all iteration um, and experimentation and growth. I mean, I think that's always how business and broader, like in a more broad way, like life has been. Um, but now just because of the pace of innovation and the fact that like everything's so laid out on a screen and you see all these different services and all these different things. Like it, it can get stressful for folks that they're shooting for this imaginary, wonderful, like end place that's going to be perfect. <laughs> Savannah, you've been working in FinOps for a while now. What are some of the challenges that you see customers trying to achieve or implement? Yeah, I mean, I think the one that you'll hear over and over again is getting people to actually take action, getting developers to take action on these recommendations for optimization and care about this stuff. Um, to say that in a more kind of broad way, uh, establishing a culture of cost management in your organization. Um, sometimes that can be at the executive level as well. Cost optimization, especially if you're early in your journey and you don't have like a established FinOps group or governance practice is always gonna feel like everybody's third job. Um, if you put yourself in the shoes of a technical stakeholder, a product lead, a developer, you're getting all this pressure to finish a product, to migrate something, to get something built. Um, and cost optimization is not necessarily what you're thinking about 100% of the time because you're just trying to get that job done. 
but everything kind of does eventually roll downhill. Um, and prioritizing that cost consciousness, uh, building it into your day to day, understanding what the best practices are and implementing those kind of at the beginning instead of having to do cleanup is the best practice to get you into the most efficient situation but bridging that gap between starting to learn about it and making it second nature takes a lot of time takes a lot of effort and if you are on the governance side can be really frustrating to you because you see all of these opportunities um and you're you're firing them out and they just sit there sometimes so figuring out like how to get folks motivated is usually the biggest challenge that I see. And that spans across every kind of business in every industry at every size. Savannah, the FinOps survey year over year comes out this past year, 33% indicated that it's hard to motivate their engineers to take action. What are you seeing within customers? And is it right around that where it's hard to motivate or how are they motivating their engineers? Yeah. Um, so it depends a lot on the corporate culture in general. I will say I've seen folks be successful with a lot of different things, um, but making it part of their day and making it something that they're measured on and aware of is really the foundation. So if they don't know what's going on, if they don't have any kind of cost outcome, if they don't ever see their bill, if they don't ever think about it, if they don't have visibility into what they're doing um, from a cost perspective, it's really, really hard to get them to care because they don't know what they're caring about. So transparency and communication of costs, I, I think, is the foundation there. And then from there, I've seen folks gamify it a whole bunch of different ways. Um, in the simplest sense, I would say recognition is usually where we start. It's something that um, really highlights that it matters to the business. If we're calling out folks and saying, hey, good job doing this, good job doing that, um, recognizing people who have optimized and, and brought costs down. Um, it's also like, it's a nice pat on the back for them. Getting recognized is, is always something that, that feels good. So I would say start there. And then you can kind of think to larger scale things. If you want to run a campaign to focus on a certain service, um, do some sort of fin hack, add some gamification into it. We've seen all of those things work well. Um, so really depends on on what you like, what rhythms are already in your business, what you want to do. But communicate costs and recognize people are kind of the, the two short versions of that. I think transparency is key, not only when it comes to finance, to the business, to engineers, the transparency of the data and how accurate it is. And speaking of that, how important is it to have accurate data not only in regular like business terms, but for the FinOps culture. Yeah. So I think having data that you can explain um, that's meaningful to the folks that you're looking at is really important. And people do their cost allocation all different sorts of ways. So there can be some kind of heartache with that sometimes if there's a savings plan that's applying from the payer account that a certain linked account can't see and then their bill's lower, it's confusing. Um, but I think, again, it goes back to transparency around that piece as well. Um, so bringing folks into the process of distributing savings mechanisms, if that is something that you do, so that even if they do look at Cost Explorer or whatever tool that they're looking at and say, okay, this is looking a little bit higher this month, 
Um, they understand if their bill is lower when you give them their charge out, oh, this happened because we got savings plan benefit or because there was a credit or something like that. Um, so it's not necessarily, in my opinion, that the numbers that they see day to day need to tie out to the cent of what they get at the end of the month. But I think they need to understand the process, trust what's going on um, and have something that they can trend and understand. Does that help? Definitely. Now, Savannah, I'm going to switch gears a little bit and I wouldn't be doing us any justice if I did not ask, do you see AI playing a critical role or any type of role within FinOps? Yeah, I do. And I think in some ways, the like ML backing already is. We have tools that leverage machine learning to look at trends and alert or make predictions, right? Like we have recommendations tooling. I think that's only going to continue to get more sophisticated as the technology gets more sophisticated. Um, everyone's talking about Gen AI right now. I think we're still getting our feet under us as to what that's going to look like in the next six months to a year. So it's really hard for me to make an accurate, meaningful prediction around how that's going to tie into our day-to-day -day work. Um, but the technology is not going to stop. So I don't think anybody is going to stop using it or just pause and say, okay, we've done enough AI on everything. So I'm sure it'll keep on going. And all of those kind of recommendations and helpful pieces of, of tech that kind of use or you use as like a, a scaffolding to help your decisions be better are going to keep improving. Do I think it's ever going to completely take over uh, or automate its out of a job? Not really. A again, like a lot of what we do is translating people needs into technology solutions. Um, and people are unpredictable. There's a lot that happens in the world that we can't just kind of like put into a probability model, right? So I think there's always going to be a space for that translation um, and working with folks to understand what's going to work best for them. Here's my take on generative AI, right? It's not going to take over our jobs. It's actually going to help us do the mundane tasks that we don't want to do from summarizing data, grabbing data, analyzing it a little bit more and helping us achieve more. Ultimately, the human aspect behind it is have to understand if the data is valid, if the data source is valid, because remember, you can have corrupt data. Ultimately, we're just scratching the surface of what generative AI can do and help us. But I think step by step, it's going to improve. I completely agree with you there. Um, I think everyone in the world has some silly tasks that they have to do that they wish that didn't have to do that feel repetitive and annoying. Um, and I think the best thing that we can hope for <laughs> is that it just comes for those and gets those out of our day so we can spend more time doing the interesting stuff that's actually hard and exciting. Savannah, what are some mistakes that you might see immature companies make when trying to implement FinOps? Yeah, analysis paralysis. I'll say like sunk cost fallacy is the other one, um, which is maybe like the other side of the coin. But just because you've had a process for a really long time that's working like okay, or you've invested a lot of time into something, if it doesn't work out for you, or if it's not getting you exactly what you need and there is something better out there, uh, I, I do see folks kind of clinging to that established stuff, even if it's really not suiting their needs anymore, just because it's it's good enough. It's good enough for now. Um, and again, it, it really ties back into being afraid to try new things um, or being afraid to make a decision about something. Um, 
the beauty of the cloud in general. And I'm sure, again, like if you listen to anyone from any company talk about a value proposition of the cloud is you can experiment. Um, there are two-way doors. You can try something. It's a lot more agile than on-prem um, or anything that we've seen in the past. And that translates to FinOps too. So if you are using something that doesn't really serve you anymore, like don't be afraid to research and see what else is out there and see if there's a better way to do it. Um, just because you spent a long time on something or have been using it for a long time doesn't mean it doesn't warrant some re-examination. Now, we just talked about some of the mistakes immature companies make when implementing FinOps, but do you see even mature companies make mistakes within their current FinOps implementation? Yes, I, I think everybody's got challenges. I would say um, when it comes to the, the sunk cost fallacy piece that I was talking about, we definitely do see that with more mature customers as well um, and larger, more established uh, companies or FinOps practices, right? I do see a little bit more analysis paralysis with some of them than you might expect, especially when it comes to um, if there's like a major business change or a new service that's being used. Because again, if you have something that's working for you really well, and then you have to adapt that, I think it's human nature and it's very natural to kind of dig your heels in and be like, oh gosh, okay, here's this thing. How do I cope with this? Or am I going to try to shove it into what we already have in a way that works or doesn't work? There's a little bit of that. Um, I would say the larger your organization gets, the more dialed in your communication strategy has to be. Um, and when you have like a very large ecosystem of stakeholders, um, whether that's like different products, if you're just interacting with the product heads or interacting with individual developers, and there's like a mixed skill set and mixed priorities amongst them, getting buy-in from everyone and getting that transparency in the communication up to like a common bar <laughs> across everyone is really hard. So I think I see a, a good amount of that. And I spend a lot of time myself like helping customers cope with that and work around that and get everybody up to kind of like parity of understanding. Now, Savannah, we've been picking your brain all around FinOps. It's time for some of the fun questions around FinOps. Do you remember the OG of iPods? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I remember being on a school bus <laughs> and someone had one, like the really old one, like one of the very, very first ones. Yeah. Like the brick. And I was like, wow, this is the apex of technology. Okay, Savannah, imagine that you have the OG, the brick of iPods right now, and you're stuck on an island. What songs or what are you listening to? What's on this iPod? Oh, like now? Now? Or like then? Like right now? <laughs> yeah, so if it's going to pull on, this is actually now and then because they've been around for so long. Um, it would be The National. It would be every album by The National, and I would be so happy in my entire life. Um, if we're talking about what was on that iPod when I owned an iPod, it was exclusively country. <laughs> All right. So Savannah, my last question for you is who are some of the most influential practitioners in FinOps today? Okay. I feel like you've gotten this answer from other people as well. Um, <laughs> okay. So we're just going to say Alex already. Huge yeah. Shout out to you to be probably the third time. Alex is Alex Head, who part of the optics team actually runs the optics team. It's awesome. Been on a lot of the podcasts on there too. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> So I would say for me personally, and for a lot of the folks that I work with, either directly or indirectly, Alex Head is definitely like one of the most influential folks in the space. If you 
touch FinOps or cloud financial management in the AWS ecosystem at all. Whether you know it or not, her work and the way she thinks about things and the way that she has developed a lot of tooling is influencing what you do um, and improving kind of the ability that you have to do things. So Alex is amazing. Um, the other big group that I want to shout out a lot is anybody and everybody who is involved in the cloud intelligence dashboards um, or ever has been. I think those have been a huge game changer for folks. They really raise the bar on cost transparency, um, coming out with new features all the time. And if you think about like what that looked like in 2018, which was, it, it didn't. Um, I like vaguely knew what QuickSight was and went in there one time and was like, oh, there are colors um, to now where we've got like five plus different dashboards that you can install with a couple clicks um, and absorb cost and usage data from multiple payers. It's night and day and it's taken a village to get them where they are. There are a lot of contributors, but everybody who has contributed and is owning it still is like a major player who's impacting hundreds, if not thousands of customers and folks who work with AWS and all clouds every day. A huge shout out to everybody that's been involved in the Kudos dashboards and implement. I just actually had Yuri on my personal podcast and uh, he, we've talked about so much. Uh, version three was out. Now version five is out. You can implement <laughs> these using a CloudFormation template. There's a different variations that you can have visibility. And not only that, you can implement it for a single account or multi-account structure. And I believe everybody that like Kudos has a lot of things going on at reInvent. Actually, speaking of reInvent, uh, Savannah, do you have anything going on at reInvent? Um, I do, John. I am doing another builder session on... ABC, Amazon Billing Conductor, uh, which is a cost allocation tool that folks can use. Um, so if you're interested in learning about cost allocation or checking out AWS Billing Conductor, um, please look at the catalog, give it a register. There is tons of FinUp stuff going on at reInvent. I think we're all really excited and we'll be milling about, I'll be at the booth, hopefully be in your studio. So I'm stoked. Last year I was really scared and now I'm just like really excited. Last year, we had a studio over at the Vidara. This one, we have a, the Blue Wire, and the Kudos team is joining us. We have a number of guests that are going to be in person. Savannah, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me, John. It's always so fun. Hey, everybody. Savannah Jensen, who is a Senior FinOps Success Manager on the AWS Optics team. This has been another awesome episode and discussion on Faces in FinOps podcast powered by our good friends at ProsperOps. Be sure to hit that like, subscribe, and notify, and also check out the ProsperOps blog, because guess what? We're out of here.